Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. My name's Arthur Moore, and with me, as always, is Mike Harrowell. Hi, Mike. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's nice and warm in the UK today. How's it in Thailand? Always warm. Always hot. Even when it rains, it's hot. Even when it rains, it's hot. Well, we're just falling apart in the UK because it's hot and we don't know what to do. Uh, what have you been up to this week? What have you been watching, listening to, doing? I'm really into a book at the moment called In It For The Long Run, um, which is by a UK ultra runner, Damien Hall. Fantastic book, well written. He's a he's a journalist by trade and then kind of fell into running, uh, fell into fell running, actually. There you go. Interesting enough. Um, but yeah, really, really good book. Recommend it. I think yesterday it was on sale on Kindle for 99p. Oh, so a great purchase. You were, due to complete you? The, uh, you were due to complete the ultra running world championships, weren't you, Mike? I was in the fun run, yeah. <laughs> no, take that run. Out. But if uh, you take that out, I was, and it, I would have competed in a longer race if work had let me have the Friday off. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So, but I'm still going to take it that COVID allowing, uh, I will be going to the World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> How's oh, your so week? You- Are you tired? You went to Silverstone. I did. I went to the British Grand Prix this week with my parents and my young two-year-old son and it was awesome uh it was very hot amazing race as people will know i've spoke about f1 before big fan of f1 um but silverson i think is is maybe my favorite sporting event in the world um just great fun great people and great sport so that was awesome i've also been watching you know what it's like in thailand like like you miss tv shows and then you come back and you're like oh yeah that was on so i've started re-watching sas um those shows on Channel 4 about where they get average people, average Joe and average Jay to go and be, do the SAS training. So I've been watching quite a lot of that, mainly because I like watching really strong people fail. I don't know what that says about me, but I really like watching these strong people fail. Um, is that bad? Does that make me a bad person? I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with your height. It's a bit of a small man syndrome, possibly. People listen to this podcast solely will know I'm a very tall, broad, broad man who can deadlift two to three hundred kg. Um, those who have seen me will know that's a lie. Um, anyway, Mike, should we go put the kettle on, fill up our tea, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about some leadership principles today and how they can apply to teaching. <laughs> Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Um, so, Mike, there was a BBC article the other day I read about Jeff Bezos, the uh, head of Amazon, who'd actually stepped down as the CEO because he's doing other stuff. And we started talking about how Amazon has a big effect on all our lives, how we all spend money on it. You've, you've already mentioned your Kindle today. So Amazon is a big part of all our lives. And we started researching a bit into the Amazon um, kind of background and ethos. And we came across their leadership principles. Uh, we'll put the link in the information to this. Um, but we were reading through them and there's a few we thought was a really good discussion points and how maybe they apply to teaching. Um, so should we go through the first one? I think the first one we're going to talk about is earning trust. So one of Amazon's key learning principles, uh, leadership principles, is to earn trust, which we spoke about a lot on the pod before. And just to give a really quick summary, it says leaders listen attentively, speak candidly and treat others respectfully. They benchmark themselves and their teams against the best. I was thinking, as a man in a leadership position, Mike, what 
what do you take away from that and maybe how does that work in schools? I think it's it's everything you want your leaders to be, isn't it? I think you 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 need your staff to trust you and you need to trust your staff. And I think there's maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a little bit of a move away from that in education where bit high level accountability kind of came in and micromanagement and lots of um, quality assurance came into schools and a lot of grading of lessons and judgments. Um, and I think what I see from schools now is that there's more of a desire to trust staff again, um, which is difficult with the, the inspection measures that we have in schools. But um, I think trust is, is absolutely vital to driving schools forward. Um, the one bit of this I found interesting is they said that leaders are vocally self-critical, even when doing so is awkward or embarrassing. And that really jumped out at me as, as the humble leader. Um, and it kind of having that level of humility and vulnerability it kind of seems to be the new strength in leadership. That's how leaders show that they're strong by showing they're vulnerable and they're humble at the same time. So that was my big take from that. What did you get from it? I've spoke about a lot before on the pod of how important trust is to almost everything we do um, in any organization, any organization culture they've shown is basically comes down to communication and communication comes down to trust. So if we've not got that trust between um, the leader and the follower to use kind of technical phrases, um, then everything else doesn't work. Um, I think that phrase you mentioned there of stuff that's awkward and embarrassing kind of owning it don't we I've heard leaders say that before like I made a mistake I need to own this there's nothing worse than as a teacher when someone in the school has made a mistake or they've done something wrong and they try and dodge around the issue they say oh no no I didn't mean this you've misread or I misspoke um we sit not just in schools maybe elsewhere but there's nothing worse than a, a leader who can't just go yeah my bad yeah, and we've, I think you've spoke about this in the classroom before as a leader in the classroom of students or pupils um, making a mistake and owning your mistake in the classroom as well. And I think earning the trust of the students is really, really important as well. You know, it doesn't mean you're there to be loved and adored by your students, but definitely you're there to be respected by your students and you're there to be trusted by your students. And sometimes holding your hand up and saying, I don't know the answer to the question you've just asked me or yeah, I have made an error with that. Sorry, let's look at that again. That can be really, really powerful and earn, earning the trust of the students. Yeah, if we take that first line into the classroom, do you want your teachers to listen attentively to their students? Yes. Do you want them to speak candidly? Yes, within reason. And do you want them to treat, treat their students respectfully? Of, of course you do. So if we take this to be leads in the classroom, then earning trust is kind of effort. We know those students who they just switch off when they go into certain teachers rooms because they haven't got that relationship with it it's so hard to build but it really makes difference when you've got students who kind of understand that you'll make mistakes and they'll forgive you for that because they know you're doing your best job um and i think that's kind of something that can kind of go throughout schools would be a really good thing um if we move on to the second one mike which is kind of linked i think and kind of move away this one is described as amazon as have backbone disagree and commit. Uh, leaders are obligated to respectfully challenge decisions when they disagree, even when doing so is uncomfortable. And my favorite line at the end is, once a decision is determined, they wholly commit. Um, 
we spoke about this a little bit just before we started recording, Mike, of disagreeing commit is becoming kind of a new, again, another kind of thing in teaching in organisations, the, the ability to stand up and disagree with your leaders. And you, we need our leaders to also do that. Have you got any examples, Mike, of when you've been in a meeting and you've had to make that uncomfortable decision to disagree? Yeah, almost every meeting. Um, it probably shows how hard I am to work with. But I always say to the people I, I line manage that I encourage dissent. If you think that I'm, I'm not right on something, challenge me. And I'll do exactly the same back to you, but do it in a respectful way. So if I think that your opinion is wrong or you're doing something I don't agree with and I feel, feel there's a better way of doing it, I'm going to tell you that. But ultimately, if you say to me, this is my decision, I'm going to own it, I'm going to commit to it fully, then I will respect that decision. I'll stand back and I'll advise from a distance. And then it's that ongoing review, isn't it? Okay, look, last month we committed to doing this. How's it going? Have you evaluated where it is so far? How can we improve it? Or you've started doing this. Is it working do we need to be honest with ourselves here? Do we need to change it? And I expect exactly the same from my staff to be doing that to me as well. Um, and I think encouraging dissent is really, really important. I think it's that line of respectfully challenge. It's not you saying you are wrong, shut up. <laughs> it's you saying, well, I disagree with you on this point and here's my argument. We spoke about this in a, in a previous pod, the worst phrases in education, I think, where people just say something to stop the discussion point. Um, and something like that, that ability to respectfully disagree with each other and to not be offended when that someone disagrees with you, I think is a really hard thing actually as a leader to, to do. Um, I know it's, we probably all had that moment where someone's disagreed with us and we, we take it personally, where maybe it's not a, a personal thing. Um, I really like the line at the end, Mike, about once a decision is determined, they wholly commit. This is such a teaching thing. How many times has a decision been made in school? We're told this is going to happen. Like, this is not a discussion point anymore. And then we spend the next two, three years moaning about the decision that was made. Um, the one that always comes to mind is reports. The amount of times I think I've moaned about reporting structures or her teachers moan about reporting structures. In the amount of time we've sat in the staff and moaning about reporting structures, we could probably have done our reports. Yeah, not making a decision on something is worse sometimes than making the wrong decision. And I know people might listen to this and go, no, I wholly disagree. The worst leader I ever worked for was a leader who never made a decision and things just drifted. So you'd go, you know, you'd go in there and say, right, we're going to have a discussion today about reports. And someone would believe that they should always be written. Someone else would believe they should just be data shots. And, you, you know, a group of people would have this discussion and at the end of the meeting, there would be no decision made, um, not even a give me 24 hours to think about it and I'll make the final decision. So these things kind of drifted along without direction. And sometimes you want someone just to go, this is the decision I'm making. I'm standing by it. I know you don't like it. Get on with it, please. And I'll really respect that. I won't like it, but I'll respect it. I think this brings back to, uh, I've just thought of another worse phrase in education actually I brought up in a previous part of, um, I'm not a huge fan of working parties. Oh, like we're going to rechange something quickly. Let's form a working party because all to me, all that means is a group of staff are going to have some really good discussion in a classroom over lunchtime, and then 
a decision gets made elsewhere. Um, and where's that? If you, that decision... you were part of my working I know, party. I know I was part of your working party. <laughs> I feel and, betrayed. And that was an excellent. That was the excellent working party, Mike. You really, you really helped. Me. <laughs> but would it have been better, Mike, if you had made a decision and then come to us and said, "How can we implement this decision?" Rather than saying, "What should my decision be?" I'm not saying that's what happened in your working party, but like <laughs> I've been in working parties where that has happened, where we speak about, "Oh, this should happen." And then we get told, oh, that can never happen. But that's where you need to know all of the constraints and all of, you need freedom within a uh, structure, don't you? Yeah. So if that's the case, then you need someone at a leadership level making a decision and saying, here's the parameters in which I want you to work. Go away and produce the best you can within that structure. Um, and I think that's where you get really, really good working parties and, and things like that. But that goes back to having a backbone. But also the first one we talked about is having trust. If you're going to put a working party together and you're going to get lots of different people with lots of different opinions, trust them to come up with a system that's going to work the best for them and for the students in the school. And to a certain extent, the parents of the students, if it's for something I'm reporting. Yeah, I'd be really interested if anyone listening has been part of a working party or a lunchtime group or whatever they, whatever they get called um, and then has seen their, their plan put into action completely without any further changes that'd be really interesting getting contacts at tm teaching be really interesting it's a hugely contrasting name isn't it i know we're going to move on to the next one but the idea of using the term work and party in the same sentence without there being alcohol present is you know you're gonna have a party during your working day but then you're gonna go back to work it's it's um, how many how many meetings have you had in a bar on a friday or saturday where you come up with the I've, I've changed education so many times at Friday at 10 p.m. I've solved education and then Monday I've can't quite remember what we were talking about. Or I was so drunk I forgot that actually it would never work. <laughs> but in our heads it was a good idea at the time. One more thing. Maybe, on this one, maybe, really we'll, like, maybe we'll do an episode after where we just get blind drunk and fix education. That would be yeah and everyone can drink along with us. Um, <laughs> Um, one last thing I thought on this was really interesting. There's another line that says leaders do not compromise for the sake of social cohesion. And I think that's a really interesting, quite powerful line, because I'm not sure if I disagree or completely agree with that either way, which, according to Amazon, would make me a bad leader. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Is social cohesion in, more important than making a decision? It's the, um, the Future Engaged Deliver model, isn't it? I don't know if you've read that book. It's, um, it's a perfect book for me because I think it's only 99 pages long. So it's very easy to read. Uh, but it talks about your future. So you, you create your vision, you engage your staff, and only once you've done those two things can you deliver. But I guess this sake of social cohesion would be if the staff weren't engaged, the staff weren't on board. Um, so I guess they're saying you don't compromise because you should go through the correct processes first of identify the vision, then make sure, most importantly, everyone's engaged or as many people are engaged as possible. And only once you've done that, can you deliver? I once heard a really interesting story about this from um, some script writers who write in a comedy. And they said what happens a lot is two people come up with jokes. They come up with a joke for a situation. They're both very funny. And then as the meeting, they compromise the two jokes to make a third joke. 
And the third joke is not as funny as joke one or two. So because you're in a, a social environment, you actually come up with the first, the third worst option. Whereas if you just picked one of the original two ideas, it would have been a better thing. And I think I, I see this a lot in meetings in teaching where I want to do this, someone wants to do this, and we compromise because we're good people, nice people, and we want to get on. And then we realize that we've come up with a solution that doesn't really help anyone. Um, I'll come back to reports again on that one. I've seen that a lot of reports. We, we compromise on report structures and then we're like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, definitely. But someone's got to have a backbone. Someone's got to make the call there. Um, should we move on to the third one? Or should we have a little break, Mike? Should we go and get a biscuit first? Yeah, let's get a biscuit. Let's get a biscuit. Custard See cream. <laughs> Welcome back to TN Teaching. We are talking about Amazon's leadership principles. We've picked out a few uh, that we want to discuss today, and we're going to talk about how they can impact our lives in school. I've picked out one for us, Arthur, which is strive to be Earth's best employer. Oh, that's oh, lovely, isn't it? So it says leaders work every day to create a safer, more productive, high performing, more diverse and more just work environment. How do you feel about that? I am very happy with the ethos and then more just work environment I think as a person worries me like and this is the I thing don't think it's, I don't think it's just work I think it's a just work environment oh, more, oh there's my oh, syntax then it's, yeah there Do you know you what I've read, I've read through this about four times and this has only just made sense um <laughs> more just ah oh, I was completely wrong um, I like you want things more unfair. Is that right? More unfair, more <laughs> unfair. Um, a safer, more productive, high-performing, more diverse culture. Who who doesn't want that? If you don't want that, get in contact with us. I'd be really interested to talk about that. Um, but I think this is the thing. Strive, I think, is the word here, Mike. All the others are quite. Um, this is what you're going to do. Have backbone. Um, earn trust this one is uh, striving to do something so this is kind of more a bit more um big picture blue sky thinking i think is the phrase we use a lot um and i think this is stuff that we should absolutely be aiming for in our in our lives in our classrooms in our schools um the bit i thought was leaders have a vision for and are committed to their employees personal success whether that be at amazon or elsewhere and i don't know if going to that line mike have you ever had someone who has kind of outgrown their role at the school or in the the position they're in at school. And the only way they can maybe progress is to leave the school. And that's, that's, that might be, is that tough as a leader to kind of realize that to help your employee, they need to leave? Has that ever happened to you? I can't remember where I heard this, this phrase, but it's always stuck with me, which is you train your staff to the point where they're ready for a promotion, but you make work so enjoyable they don't want to leave. And I worked for a head teacher, actually, who said to me, um, if you ever want to leave for a promotion, you've got my full blessing. But if you leave our school and you take a sidewards movement into another school, into the same role, that's when I've got questions to ask. And I really like that, that approach. Like, it's just like, if you're ready to grow and there's no position here for you to grow and you've stopped enjoying being here in the position, then we'll do everything we can to support you moving on. And I, I think that's fair, isn't it? Because 
I left a school once, and uh, well, I left a couple, but the, <laughs> one, of the, one of the schools I left, I remember, um, I remember someone calling me a rat jumping ship, and I was thinking, well, now I'm I'm moving on for personal reasons, for career reasons, for progression. I'm leaving my role in a better position than I found it. Like, why shouldn't I be able to move on? And at the end of the day, if the school didn't want me there anymore, there would be no kind of qualms in moving me on, I guess. So I think, yeah, I think if someone's ready for a promotion and you've got a, a responsibility to train people ready for the next step in their career, I 100% agree with that. Because I suppose, why else would you ever have uh, PGC students teaching in your school? Like, you know, when you have a PGC NQT joining school, most likely they're not going to come back to your school. I know a lot of people do, but you're training them to just enter the profession of which you're part of, the community of which you're part of, which we spoke about before. So I think you're absolutely right. If It's kind of, you want them to be the best they can be. And if that means they have to leave to go elsewhere eventually that's fine but you know they've given absolutely everything they have to the, the current school they're in before they move on your school is going to be a better place like if everyone's trying to be better your school is going to be a better place and i that's how i kind of see this one it's talk about making amazon a place where people want to to work and want to do good things um whether that's true or not is elsewhere there's lots of stuff in the news but i think that's a really interesting point to come come back to because there's other stuff in there of um leaders ask themselves are my fellow employees growing and are they empowered are they ready for what's next and i think they're three great questions to be asking yourself as a team leader in whatever position you are in a school uh head of department what great questions to be asking yourself or your team because if your employees are growing and they're empowered and they're ready for what's next you've got a great team everyone wants that team Definitely. The other bit I like is uh, leaders, uh, they lead with empathy, they have fun at work, and they make it easy for others to have fun. Work should be fun. Yeah. There's always going to be a little bit of stress with work. Of course there is. You know, teaching is a stressful job. Being a doctor or a nurse is a stressful job. You know, these, these are kind of, you're on the front line, really. But you've got to have fun. <laughs> like, it's got to be fun. You've got to get up in the morning and look forward to going to work. And I think that's sometimes overlooked in all workplaces. Well, I think it's really easy to, to talk about having backbone, disagreeing, commit, um, and thinking, well, that's going to make a really horrible workplace. But there's, there's a difference between within a workplace of the work and kind of the other stuff that comes with being in an environment in a community. we like the school we worked in, like, like there was that great sense of people having fun. And because of that, we did great things. Um, and I've worked in schools where people are working so hard and you just, they don't enjoy being there. And that's slowly, it might not filter through straight away, but that does filter through to the rest of the school. Um, you want teachers enjoying what they do, don't you? You don't want a teacher in the room who is a, maybe a great teacher, but doesn't enjoy what they're doing because they're just not going to stay no happy teachers are good teachers normally i'm sure there's a few <laughs> exceptions to those rules. but no they are if you your staff are happy if they're on board with what you're doing if they're engaged in where the school's going and what you're doing they're going to find work fulfilling and if they find work fulfilling they're going to be 
good at their jobs. They're going to be going above and beyond and they're going to be wholly doing what's right for the students. If you go back and listen to the episode we uh, recorded with Jade Pierce, she spoke a lot about just they empower their employees um, to go away and want to do the research and to come to their lunchtime clubs and stuff. And if their teachers weren't enjoying being there, those things wouldn't happen. Um, it's a really good episode to go back and listen to. Listen to. I'd really recommend it. Um, and a lot of our guests we've had on have spoke about kind of if people are having fun, they're going to want to learn more. Um, do you want to go away and research something that you fundamentally don't enjoy? Um, it's going to be better if you enjoy what you're doing. Um, when I worked at Microsoft, I think there was a phrase of um, love what you do and do what you love, um, which is one of the one of the good things I took away from Microsoft. I think that was a really powerful phrase. Um, so I think the better question is, Mike, how do we do this? It's all good saying you want to create a fun, higher performing, more just uh, environment. Um, but how do you do that? So how does Mike Harrowell do that? That's my question. Ah. How does Mike Harrowell make his team fun? Um, I probably, that's a really hard question. I don't know. Um, I don't know if fun is the word. You know, it's not, you know, not running around with Nerf guns fighting each other like I think it's fun when you realize that the pressure's off that as a leader you try and take pressure off of the people you kind of you work with directly and hope that they take the pressure off of other people and you you create that workplace where there's breathing space I think that creates a fun work environment creates a relaxed work environment but knowing that you need to when you need to turn it on and when you can turn it off and relax, you know, there's no, there's no point charging. I, I've worked with someone before and I'd, I'd get up from my desk at maybe 4 PM and go to walk out the door. And there'd, there'd be a little comment of, Oh, you're leaving now. Are you? That's not a fun workplace to work in. You know, that's not, I don't want someone to think that uh, to feel like someone's checking up on me and not trusting me. Um, so I think just knowing when to, to support people, maybe knowing to challenge them as well and getting that balance right creates a workplace where people can not relax. We're never relaxed as teachers, are we? We're always focused on the next thing and the next thing. We like pushing ourselves, but you create that where there's not that direct pressure that becomes a bit crippling. You've been ahead of department. You've been ahead of year. How did you do it with your teams? I always came or tried to is a trust trusting them to do what they do because myself i always enjoy being trusted when i've got that autonomy to go and try something that's when i enjoy what i do um and also as you said trying to take the pressure off them and i don't just mean on a one-off basis i believe like if i take the pressure off my team and my boss takes the pressure off me and his boss takes the pressure off me and that keeps going up the chain we're all going to do better jobs um we should that the pressure should go kind of upwards it shouldn't come downwards we don't like those um principals leaders head teachers whatever who they're under pressure rightly so and then they put that on everyone else's shoulders um the better way is that how do we solve these problems so again i agree with you. it's not about having fun it's not about um putting wine on everyone's desk at the end of a term um which i have never done i've never bought 
I'm going to sound horrible here. I don't think I've ever bought gifts for people at the end of a term or a year. I just, I don't do it um, be, because I think I want that to happen every day of year. I want some, I want to be supported f throughout the year, not just, oh, sorry, that was a dreadful year, but here's a bottle of red. We're all good. Um, that's never something that's appealed to me. Um, I know you give them back then if they're given to you. Um, <laughs> in my hey, just school, I don't need this. Um, in my last school, I used to pass a lot on to um, the support staff, um, to the cleaners, to the secretaries, all the, the loads of people way more important in a school than me. Um, I think distributing that is a much better thing, but I, I've never done that. Um, and I'm probably going to get shouted at now for doing a bad thing. But do you do that? Are you a wine buyer at the end of term? Well, a few different things. I've, I've taken a few different approaches to this. And I think it depends on who I'm buying for, because I think wine's quite a divisive thing. I don't really I don't really drink that much alcohol these days. So if someone buys me a bottle of wine, it tends to sit on the shelf for a few months until I go to someone's housewarming party and I take it with me um, and re-gift it. <laughs> it's just probably even worse. River out um, to Mike, I, thanks for your work. I went for a phase at the end of the year buying the people I line manage leadership books, because I'm a real geek like that. And I thought, what a great gift like they can invest in themselves and yeah someone came up to me and was like are you telling me I've not done well this year and I need to get better and it was kind of taken really the wrong way so I don't know I just buy them a little something a little tokenistic something but going going back to these leadership principles I don't think there's a leader that does every single one of these well I think and I think if you look at each of your leaders you could probably rate them out of five on each one of these um, I don't know how many principles there are in their leadership thing, like 10 or something, looks like, 10 many. or 12. Um, but I think what a school should be trying to do is put together a leadership team, senior leaders, if we talk about just that as a senior leadership team, um, a team that complements each other really well on this. Um, so whereas one person's got a weakness, somebody else has got a strength. And you then look at this as a collective tool for the whole of the leadership team, as opposed to each individual, because we've all got natural leadership um, strengths. We've all, we all do different things well, and sometimes you can keep working and keep working at that weakness, but it's never gonna turn it into a strength. But if you've got someone else in your team who has that as a strength, collectively, I think you've got a really good leadership approach in a school, and I think the school will go places. Um, that was my key takeaway from this. Completely agree. I remember once I went for a um, a leadership promotion role. I can't remember exactly what one. And when I didn't get it, I was called in to speak to the not the one you didn't give me, Mike. Don't worry, not the one you didn't. Give me. <laughs> um, someone else. Um, and they sat me down. We went through my strengths and weaknesses, and they said, "What you should see, Arthur, is your strengths and weaknesses. They're actually not what we need in this team in our leadership team right now. We need these things." And that was a really powerful conversation because it it helped me reflect upon the decision think about what I could do better but didn't in any way go like you didn't get this because you're rubbish I think that's a really powerful thing you've said there just this is talking about a leadership principle this is not talking about having a person at the top of the chain who has all of this it's about having a team and a culture which have these collectively and that's when you say you get a, a school pulling in the same direction um, and that's a school going places done we've done it we fixed school leadership look yeah. at this document I, I think it's important to add though like just because amazon do it 
don't do all these. I wouldn't say like copy this and put it into your vision document. There's some things here that I think are interesting. There's one all about customer obsession. And we could go into a different debate of who's the customer or a school, or maybe depending on the school you're in. But I think there's it's a really good document to read through and ask yourself and your team questions about it. Because Amazon, they've done quite well. Yeah, and they've, they've had their bad press, haven't they? I don't, I don't know if Amazon is wholly good. I've, I've mentioned that I own a Kindle, so I can't be too critical. But they're kind of everything that's wrong in the capitalist world, I guess. Um, and they've, they've had a lot of negative press for this. So we know that they're not doing all of these. And I guess this is a, an inspirational vision for them to work towards for their leadership. And maybe schools need to look through what, what would work. What do they want from their leaders? Um, you know, I know at the school I'm at, at the moment, we do 360 reviews. We have a leadership kind of criteria. We grade ourselves on how well we think we're doing on it. We get feedback from the staff. Um, above us and below us in the terms of kind of the chain. Um, and that's really, really helpful. I find that 360 every year um, helpful, and especially when you're comparing a number of years worth of them to see if you are uh, making progress. So I think if, if schools can create their own structure, their own criteria for this, and then find a way of measuring their collective ability against it, I think that'd be a really, really interesting um, kind of process for them to go through. I think, I think sitting down saying at this school what do we want our leaders to look like or to be like I think it's a really powerful conversation because I think you really get into the crux of what do you want your school to be because leaders is everywhere um we don't just talk we keep talking about head teachers principals but we have student leaders we have leaders who aren't in leadership positions we have our support staff leaders and if you can get everyone on the same page how how powerful it would it be if you had a head boy and head girl who had the same leadership um, ethos as the leadership women in a school, then you're starting to build a real culture around the school. And then if you start bringing in the parents, the PTA and all those, and they have the same culture, that's when you start building a community who are all pulling in the same direction. Um, so that would be my key, key takeaway here is think about what you want your leads to look like in the environment in which you're in. And that will be different everywhere. You can go to school A, walk down the road to school B, and you're going to need different things and as a leader we spoke before about eq and being able to adapt to the situation you're in um, and that's that's difficult i think that's probably the hardest thing people have found teaching how many times mike have you been like you've seen people great in other schools and they go to other school and they find it hard to adapt as a leader uh, it's a really tricky thing to do that i've, I've found that difficult it takes you a year at least a year i think i think you go right into that learning pit again and you have these moments where you're like, I'm never going to get it at this school. And it takes a while. It does take a while, but you do get there as well. The vast majority of people do. Yeah. So I would recommend everyone go away and look at this document. We'll put the link in on Twitter and elsewhere and read through and have a real think about how it applies to your school and how it applies to yourself. Um, Mike, as always, what a pleasure talking about leadership and how we're going to change the world. I've already forgotten what we spoke about. Well, we'll just have to re-listen to the, the podcast when it's released, Arthur. I cannot wait, Mike, and I'll see and speak to you soon, all right? Take care. See you, buddy.